The Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. listening to 3CR's Spoken Word Program. My name's Carmen Main and today our guest is Michael Reynolds. Thank you so much for being here, Michael. Thank you, Carmen. Um, I'd love to introduce Michael by way of reading his bio. So here we go. Michael Reynolds was born in Geelong in 1965 and has lived in Melbourne since the age of 10. He first came across a poetry reading at the Dan O'Connell Hotel in January 1999 and decided he'll give it a go. He took over the Passionate Tongues poetry reading in Brunswick later that year and has been running it since. He's read his poetry around Melbourne, country Victoria and occasionally interstate. He's also the only recipient of the Sandon MacLeod Award for Services to Melbourne Poetry and is also a genuinely lovely person. Thank you so much for being here, Michael. Cheers, Carmen. Thank Uh, you. It's a pleasure. (laughs) Um, We might just... Go right into it. You've got a poem, a few poems actually to read today, some by you and some by some other poets that you admire. What would you like to read for your first piece? I'll read, um, I'll read one that's probably the oldest poem that is in my um, chapbook that I published a few years ago and it's called Fabric of Feeling. Does it feel comfortable on your skin? Does it hang loose? or restrict your movements? Does it fray easily? Was it tailor-made or off the rack? Is it pressed, iron-free or rumpled? Is it stained, clean? Do you wash it? Does someone else? Do you keep a wardrobe of feelings? How do you choose which one to wear? Is it chosen for you? If it's torn, do you mend it or replace it? Does the fabric of feeling reveal your figure, or do you wear it to hide your body? Do you know what you wear? Do you care if others don't like it? Would you rather wear a different feeling? Can you? Wow. Thank you, Michael. That's <laughs> such a beautiful metaphor for, you know, we. D- that, I love that line, did you choose it? Like, often we don't, hey. Yes. <laughs> no. It's yeah, and it, yeah. Every um, every line is a uh, is a question, mm. which um, which I've been told many times uh, never to do. So, first thing I did was write a poem with questions in it. <laughs> you rebel. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you first come to poetry? I know you've been doing it for a little while now in Melbourne. Well, it came about because I used to hang around the. Um, Dan O'Connell Hotel, and I was aware that poets um, went into this uh, big dark room out the back Mm. every Saturday afternoon, and I had absolutely no intention of checking it out. I um, I was there for the Guinness at the front bar and um, drinking with, uh, with a few mates, and every now and then the publican would walk past and um, say, uh, you want to check out the poetry? And I'd just go... No. (laughs) (laughs) There's often that reaction to poetry to start with before you get involved. um, Mm. Yeah, it was basically I was just reflecting what what uh, what my uh, mates were like in the uh, in the front bar, and we'd uh, we'd 
we'd take every chance we possibly could to uh, to ridicule them. And, <laughs> yeah. and, um, but um, I, uh, I I started playing uh, Scrabble with um, with uh, one of them in the front bar on a Saturday afternoon, and uh, one particular day. The uh, the poetry uh, got moved to the front bar because they had temporary renovations out the back. So I was sitting in the corner playing Scrabble while mm. there was a poetry gig happening in the same room. Mm. So and, clearly, there's um, that love of words there if you were playing Scrabble. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 true, absolutely. And um, and I, I actually knew the host uh, Ted Lord through the Hundred Pint Club there. Mm. And um, after the gig was over, he came up to me and said said, oh, I didn't know you liked poetry. And I said, well, I, I don't really. Uh, and I, I thought about it afterwards. And uh, I, I'd always been telling people to um, to go and watch a band at least twice before you say you didn't like them because mm. um, you, might, uh, you, you might hear them differently the second time. Um, you might be in a different mood or the band might... Uh, might um, you might have caught the them on a bad around. day. Yeah, yeah so exactly. I put my money where my mouth was and um, and and decided I'd, I'd check out the uh, poetry a second time before mm-hmm. I'd say I didn't like it again. And uh, the second time around, yeah, I just went, uh, yeah, I'll give I'll give this a go. Excellent. <laughs> and, and the rest is history. Yeah, yeah. yes. Often it <laughs> takes just dipping your toe in and then you're like, oh, I love this. Mm. Yeah, mm. it was cold at first, but it was all right once you got in. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that sounds like a good opportunity for us to lead into the next piece you'd like to read today. Um, would you like to share another poem with us? Uh, yes, yes. This this one um, this this one is called Michelangelo at the Quarry, and if you say that name to anyone from Brunswick, they'd uh, they'd automatically think that it's about Michelangelo drinking at the Quarry Hotel, but mm. it's not. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll get into it. The marble is hard and cold, yet in my hands, malleable, so torrid. Inside this earth's bone, a building block of utopia, is what lies in the sculptor's mind. Nothing will emerge that I cannot imagine. Do not call me a mere labourer. I seek the cleanest blocks. No crack or black vein shall blemish my creation, pure as sincerity. I envisage perfection. A man will wither, not so his likeness in stone, a fleeting expression immobile, a flash of anger, an instant of doubt, a smile of recognition the observer a hundred years from now is compelled to return. My sculpture has been within this block forever. I chip, scrape and polish away the excess. Its existence will be as long. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you, Michael. (laughs) Thank you. So how did that poem come about? Um, It was about... um, It was... When I when I actually uh, watched a uh, documentary on the work of Michelangelo mm. once, and um, I sat up that night and wrote that, yeah. and um, I think um, I th- I think um, the uh, the when, when he describes the the marble as malleable, um, mm. the, um, I think I think that's his own uh, that's his own word that yeah. they've quoted. 
Definitely. And I must confess, my first thought was not the Quarry Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> my the first thought was Michelangelo as well. So, yeah, yeah thank a, you. A funny, funny thing about this particular um, poem is um, there's, there's a line in it, um, pure as sincerity. And mm. I, 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 um, I'm putting tabs on myself here a bit, I think, because... Hey. Um, why not? Um, I've, we I've often used don't. The, um, I've, I've used the word sincerity or sincere in its um, in its um, original meaning, which is without wax. Um, mm. In the ancient Roman days, oh, um, when they had um, when they had little statuettes for sale in the marketplace, they had sine sire mm. um, written on signs next to them to say, um, yeah. There's no wax covering any um, blemish on these um, on these statues, mm, and mm. I went to a uh, I went to a gig in Gippsland that was hosted by um, by Yvette Stubbs, and um, there was actually a candle that was spilt on one of my books, and this wax just spilled all the way across the cover, and oh, the person no. the poor person that did it was so upset, and I said, mm. no, no, it was meant to be. <laughs> so I had for ages I had this book that had wax all over the cover of it and I thought it was very fitting because of that line. That line, perfect. Oh, and isn't that a beautiful thing that you can just see the the beautiful idiosyncrasies rather than getting upset or angry at those sort of situations? Yeah, absolutely, yes. It's a real gift, definitely. (laughs) You're listening to 3CR's Spoken Word Program. My name's Carmen Main and we're here with Michael Reynolds. This is his third piece for today. One of Us, for John Norman, 1940 to 2002. At the Dan O'Connell Hotel, angry young man, fists clenched, stands over Johnny. But Johnny is one of us. Plastic leg crossed, cigarette in one hand, Guinness in the other, eyes narrow, replies, No, I will not shut up. I will not be silenced. I shall rave on as much as I damn well like. Johnny's hundred pint club shirt brought to Angry Man's attention. Twenty more here. Angry Man's girlfriend takes him away. Johnny grins, continues oration, amusing and angering hundred pinters. We let him do it. He's one of us. We'll know he'll be quiet when Pat McKernan sings, but he'll upstage the dancers by marching through them. When the song finishes, he'll quote biblical text or Shakespeare or Elvis. We'll all say, shut up, and he'll grin. He's one of us at the art house. First one there, his Monday night chair near the fire is his throne. Smoking the tree of life, he surveys and comments on all. The microphone may be at the other end of the room, but the stage is wherever he is. First on the open mic, if the MC's introduction is too long, he'll join him or her and carry on regardless. Kubla Khan was written 200 years ago for Johnny alone to recite. Words from a Shakespeare sonnet would ease from his lips onto his gesturing palm and drip between his fingers held out for all to behold. Any experience with Johnny is an experience. He was one of us at the Church of All Nations, the preacher said to those gathered to celebrate Johnny. He'd give a commentary on every sermon, amusing and annoying us all. We let him do it. He was one of us. Flowers piled high on his coffin, 
tear-eyed pallbearers marching, his final exit to standing applause. Thank you, Michael. Oh, yeah, Johnny mm-hmm. Shakespeare, what yeah, a character. Definitely. <laughs> there's, there's a big picture uh, of, of the 100 Pint Club taken in uh, the year 2000 uh, hanging on the wall of the Dan O'Connell, mm-hmm. and you'll see Johnny on the bottom left-hand corner resplendent in his um, dyed pink beard, <laughs> <laughs> matching his pink trousers. Oh, <laughs> I, I've never had the opportunity to meet him, but the thing I love about that piece is that almost as if I did, you know, almost as if I knew him. And you write with such kindness and sincerity and genuine respect. Um, I think that's a rare thing and something for you to be commended on. So thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Well, he was a, he was a great man. Yeah. Annoying as he was. He was, he was a great man. <laughs> but it's, it's okay for someone to be annoying if they're in your in crowd. You know what I mean? And that's, Absolutely, And that's that yes. message in that piece, like... Uh, that loyalty that we have for those that we love and are close to, they can annoy us, They can, you can annoy them, but if anyone else does it, that's, that's not on. That's right, yes. I, I think they call um, that sort of person the, um, the broken stair. Um, there's um, there's, there's, a, set of, there's a set of stairs um, that um, everyone knows, everyone who's familiar with the place knows that there's a particular stair that you step over yeah, and then someone new comes along and goes, "Whoa, there's a broken stair!" Oh no, just just step over it. Yeah, exactly. and so yes, he was he was the broken stair of the poetry scene for mm. a fair while. And <laughs> and what a a way to remember him by that beautiful yes. poem. Thank you for sharing. Very very it. talented, beautiful man. Lock on our front door and my door key don't fit no more So get it on over Move it on over Scoot it on over Move it on over Move over skinny dog Cause the fat dog's moving in This dog house here is mighty small But it's better than no house at all So ease it on over Move it on over Drag it on over Move it on over Move over old dog Cause a new dog's moving in She told me not to play around But I done let the deal go down So pack it on over Hold it on over, move it on over, move over, nice dog, cause a mad dog's moving in. She warned me once, she warned me twice, but I don't take no one's advice, so scratch it on over, move it on over, shake it on over, move it on over, move over, short dog, cause a tall dog's moving in.
to me on her knees. I'll be busy scratching, please. So slide it on over, move it on over, sneak it on over, move it on over, move over, good dog, cause a mad dog moving in. Remember, pup, before you whine, that side yours and this side mine. So shove it on over, move it on over. Sweep it on over, move it on over, move over, cold dog, cause the hot dog's moving in. You're listening to Spoken Word on 3CR. Um, my name's Carmen, and we just heard from Hank Williams uh, with the song Move It On Over. Uh, it's one of my favourites, actually, of Hank Williams. My dad introduced me to that sort of honky-tonk country music and honky-tonk man, and it's one that Michael picked from a selection of CDs I brought today. Thanks for picking that one. I loved it. No worries. I absolutely loved that song. Um, it was... Um I picked it because um, some years ago I got uh, right into the uh, records of George Thorogood and it was one of the songs that he covered. So I had to, uh, I had to look up um, Hank Williams um, from, from there and, um, yeah, discovered a whole new load of music which um, really, really wowed me. Yeah. So I can, I can thank George Thorogood for... Um, introducing me to Hank Williams. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of music, I know you're quite passionate about music, in particular local music and making sure that it's, you know, um, that there's an audience for it and that you document it. And, and you do that through photography, which is just incredible. I absolutely love doing it. Um, and I've got, um, I've got poetry to thank for um, photographing music, actually, because um, I, I started uh, photographing the poetry scene um, oh, probably about 17, 18 years ago, um, more as a um, record of the, of the scene than anything else. And I was using film at the time, so I'd be lugging around one or two photo albums with me to show um, people what I'd been taking, mm. and uh, especially at the um, Dan O'Connell readings. And I, it, it didn't take me long to, um, to realise that people would feel as if they're a part of the scene if their photos were in that album. Mm, definitely. And so, um, so just, just taking a record of the scene is, um, is, is only one small part of photography. It, it really makes people um, feel like they're involved in the scene and, um, and also proud of what they do. Definitely. And the way that you frame those photos and your like the eye of the photographer or the eye of the artist, it gives the person a moment of feeling valid and important and respected and valued. That's really, really um, yes. a key thing, I think. Yes, yes. There was a, um, there was a gig um, called Babel in the early 2000s uh, that combined um, poetry with music, and that's really when I started photographing musicians. Great. And um, after, um, after that, I, I started going out specifically to follow those particular musicians around, and uh, it was like a massive family tree. You could almost trace um, particular bands back to individual artists that I photographed some quite some time ago. Yeah, excellent. And I can tell that it's something that you take 
great joy in just um, I know we're on radio, but the expression on your face, it's you've just lit up talking about this. It's amazing. <laughs> and I know for a fact that so many people um, really admire and respect you for that work. It's just such a valuable thing in the community. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. So thank you on behalf of the community, if I can make that statement, but I don't know. I feel I'm qualified to say thank you for that, all that work. <laughs> thank you. Um, how about we move into some more poetry? I know in addition to the poems you've read thus far, which have been your work, you wanted to share the work of some others. Yes, yes. Um, at the end of last year, I was asked if I could read um, 10 or so poems, um, uh, which were from local uh, artists um, that were favourites of mine. So I went back over the previous um, 15, 16, 17 or so years and took a long, long time to pick out 10 poems. Um, and if I if I possibly could, I'd f- try to fit 20, maybe even 30 into that 10. <laughs> um, but I've, I, I did bring two along today, which were automatic inclusions in that um, in in that list of 10 and the first one I'd like to read is one from a book which was published in 2003 by uh, by Anita Sinclair um, she used to um, she used to run a um, gig in Johnson Street in Collingwood once a month and uh, she's an she used to she used to have an artist studio she's a master puppeteer and a lovely lovely poet and um, this particular piece of hers is called Youthful Hand Grandma she said if I pull the skin like this your hand looks good again she had been playing with my hand and watching Monarch of the Glen a show on television designated suitable for all. My hand was held, had been explored, felt over at each knuckle, stroked, manipulated. Next, subjected to perhaps indignity by being pulled, the skin, up into little peaks, which, when released, stayed put a while until they soon, with dignity of course, subsided back from whence they came. A study this, apparently, of human skin in its decline. She hadn't reached her teens quite yet. Her hands, her face, her hair, her all are in the bloom of gorgeous youth. She studies me. She offers me a means of seeing, maybe, not my hand alone. I wonder if she'd have me stretch my face like that. Perhaps I've got other bits that could upgrade. Look, Grandma, now it's smooth again, she said. I looked and offered. Sure it is. Perhaps you're right. But see, I couldn't use them much like that. These hands have worked for me, on sculptures, paintings, poetry, on planting trees, stroking pets. They often stroked your mother's hair when both of us were young. If I should change these hands like that, perhaps I'd take away the history I'd rather trust these hands to work for me the way they are, to feel for me, describe for me the patterns of my life. Within this stretchy skin, I keep a journal of my loves and hates, my passions and my pains. As to my hands, right now they please me well. I'm grateful for the hands I have. I like them. They look very 
good to me. That's such a beautiful piece, Michael. Thank you for sharing it. Um, I really love that exploration of ageing and intergenerational communication and, and just the love in the piece as well. It's really beautiful. Yes, and um, being um, being satisfied with how you are too. Mm, I think definitely. that's important. And and one I haven't heard before, so thank you. Oh, wow. Mm. Mm. Um I know you also would like to share another piece by another poet, uh, a Melbourne poet, um, Lish Skek. Is that correct? That's right, yes. It's, um, at, at the time I, uh, I read this one at the gig um, last December, I said, um, I said it's my favourite poem out of my favourite book of poetry and I've got absolutely no reason to, um, to say differently now. It's um, called Europe and it's out of her book called Breath which she brought out um, a couple of years ago. Mm. So, um, yeah, here we go. This is called Europe. I've never been to Europe. I am told the buildings whisper their stories if you listen and the sun feels different on your skin. I travelled Australia. I have danced with my brothers and sisters by the night fires, hitched across a desert that kisses the skyline to townships people have forgotten. You see, they're all exploring Europe, the exotic places. I have run in the rain through stifling heat, across beaches edged with grass, palm trees and water so clear you can see the coral on the ocean floor without diving in. I've been happily alone in the Blue Mountains, still not having seen Europe, slept on many a forest floor, walked through the density of ferns, damp mosses and hundreds of thousand-year-old trees, barefoot, for nature is as fragile as it appears to be strong. I have played music on street corners, worked for a pittance picking fruit, Feasted on cheese and wine with a friend at the top of a mountain so high the clouds were all around us. I have swum in creek beds and dived through waterfalls. Washed in a wood fire bath on 1,000 hectares of bushland, looking up to a sky coated with scars. Worked on organic farms for food and a bed, making many friends, some of them from Europe. Slept in teepees, under bridges, in the snow, the hollow of a dead tree providing shelter from the cold of that white beauty. In the morning, the sky was as blue in contrast to the ground's white. Half-frosted mountain ash looked like paper ready to fold in on itself if a breeze picked up, and the black wallabies were like rocks hunched at the side of the track. I have explored caves full of dreamtime images. Their intricate patterns leave an impression in your head that's always there. Not many whites are permitted. Now I have a secret name. Still, I have not seen Europe. You're listening to 3CR Spoken Word Program and we've come to the end of our show. Our guest today has been Michael Reynolds. Thank you so much for your time and the poetry you've shared with us. Thank you, Carmen, and to Santo and to 3CR. So this has been the Spoken Word Program on 3CR. We're on air every week on Thursday mornings from 9 till 9.30am. You can find us on 855 on the AM dial 
or on the website, which is www.3cr.org.au. It's also important to know we do podcasts, which you can find on the 3CR website. If you're interested in finding out more about poetry in Melbourne and want to get along to some gigs, either just to listen or to participate, have a look at Melbourne Spoken Word website, which is melbournespokenword.com, and you'll find everything you need to know. One key event in the poetry calendar coming up is the final event that Melbourne Spoken Word puts on for the year, the 2017 Melbourne Spoken Word Prize. This year it's on Friday, December the 1st at 7pm at the Wheeler Centre. You can find out more information at melbournespokenword.com. I think it's fitting that our guest Michael has the final word today. Thank you again for being here at 3CR. Over to you, Michael. And finally... This poem is called And Finally, which immediately precedes The Last One Is. That one is followed by Just One More, which is a lead-up to I'll Go After This One. Next is the one called Time For Another One, but I can't read that without OK, I'll read the one I wasn't going to, which I thought was too long but someone requested it. Then, after that is I'll Finish With. Finally, I'll read the one called How Much Time Have I Got, which ends with the line Oh, Here's the one I couldn't find before. 